Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew where you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mr. We could use a man like Raymond Hoover again. Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And you're in for a doozy. It's trigger content, trigger, trigger, content warning time. I don't know whether to just include a content warning. I'm going to go ahead and include both. It's both. I'm also still trying to figure out what what a trigger warning, what, what constitutes each. But this show is going to talk for probably a good 45 minutes exclusively about sexual assault. So if that's not your jam, well, no, we'll see you next week we'll when we talk context. about Stella and her groove coming back. <laughs> we are not talking about it just as a topic. We're talking about it in relation to what we uh, this week's This week's program, episode that we watched, was, yes. Uh, episode of a, a really revolutionary, at the same time incredibly problematic television show. Yeah. This week for the show, to take advantage of the long August uh, that has five, five Thursdays in them, rather than watching another movie that I couldn't find, we opted (laughs) to uh, watch an episode of television that was particularly groundbreaking, and that episode was brought to us by Lemuel. He's the one who made the choice on what we were watching. And we watched an October 1977 episode of All in the Family called Edith's 50th Birthday, wherein Edith turns 50 and is assaulted. Well, she's assaulted. Yes, she is assaulted. She's sexually assaulted. She's sexually assaulted. So let's start with All in the Family. I've never seen an episode of All in the Family. Which is shocking to me. It was not on in syndication that I recall, in my house at least, when I was a child. Now, Archie's place... Right. Archie Bunker's Archie place. Bunker's place, excuse me, uh, was on in my lifetime. It was on right. into the early 80s, um, but my parents either didn't watch it or didn't watch it while I was around. My, sh- my entire knowledge of the show is like three clips. And the theme song. So Norman Lear, the producer, um, borrowed the concept from a BBC television program. Oh. Called Till Death So we've been doing that for a very long time, turns out. Interesting. And he thought that uh, working a program like this in the American vernacular about, and in this case, um, All in the Family is a story of a working class Archie Bunker and his wife. It's like an OG Roseanne. Right. And he's daughter, the prize of his existence, his very spoiled daughter, has married a a college intellectual or a person who goes on to become a college professor. We call those a liberal. Liberal. And so he's kind of the, and this is a... And he's a conservative man. Right. Archie Bunker is conservative to uh, a ridiculous and annoying extent. Does he, does this take place contemporaneously or is this... It was aired from 1971 to 1979. And did it take place from 1971 yes. to 1979? So yeah, so I just wanted to make sure we weren't in a happy so, days situation. I think this is post, post-60s post kind of coming to terms with the social revolution that happened that was right. embodied by Mike Stivick, who's played by Rob Reiner. 
who went on to a remarkable career as a director. Right. So he's uh, a person that it was on the show regularly. He was uh, the, the yes. He was the. Um, that wasn't. That was him. Holy hell! Oh yeah. He looks so different. So long hair, of course, yes. because he was playing that a mustache. And he's you know, and then of course the family that he married into, and Archie Bunker is a conservative, who is. And this was a very... They say he believes every stereotype he hears. Right. This was Without a, malice, it seems like. That's he what, hates the gays right. and the blacks, but he doesn't know them. And also, he hates everyone, which yeah. actually comes up in this episode. The gist of the story was that he was part of the old guard who was not used to the notion of change and really didn't like the fact that Mike Stivick has married his daughter and is now living in his house. And they did for years. Right. And by now, by the, the time we get to this episode, they live next door. Right, and have kids? Yeah, they have kids. The gist of the program was exploring social change from a person who didn't want to change and the future. Right. But Mike Stivick, the person in the future, right, representing progressive, progressive ideas, is just as flawed as Archie Bunker is. They, like, <coughs> in this particular episode, right. and like I said, I have never seen an episode of this show before, um, and I'd only ever seen about 30-second to one-minute clips, uh-huh. specifically the the kiss right. between uh, Archie, Archie and, and Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. Jr. <laughs> That's a very famous image, right. so I've seen that. Uh, they seemed so alike uh-huh. as to be... Uh, as, as Mike seemed to be a parody of Archie. Right. And that's, I was like, they're the same guy. That's kind of the joke okay. as, as it goes And along. I didn't know if that was... Is that they're similar enough to where they can't stand each other, but... Um, of course, that's why Sally Struthers right. falls in love with him. Right, because exactly. Because essentially, this is her dad with an open mind instead right. of her dad with a closed mind. Carol O'Connor, who is who was an amazing actor. He really the things he can do with the look on his face right. are pretty extraordinary. And he and, and again it was actually about as liberal as they come in real life. In real um, life that is true, yeah. And he plays this and this is why it's going to be hard for audiences now, I think, to go back and visit some of the episodes. Oh, I'm sure. He says the most outrageous and offensive things. He does. And even, and we'll talk about some, because right. he says some of them in this, in this, this, in this episode. episode. Yeah. And, but also, like, says super wise things. Right. And almost at the same sort of throwaway right. thing. Because I think the writing for this show is a masterclass in right. comedic writing. And I'm talking about an hour-long special episode where mom gets sexually assaulted. Still one of the funnier episodes of right. television I've ever seen. Now, granted, Norman Lear is right. some kind of genius. Well, also remember that the, the funny bits aren't around the assault itself. No, There's of course not. nothing but serious drama around it's that. It's the, the characters that... Yeah. Even watching it again, I found myself looking away from the television sometimes because yeah. it was too much to take And in. the first, I watched it twice. Right. I, the first time I wa- we watched it, I had a little screen involved in my situation, and I think I missed a lot of what was going on. So today, mm-hmm. earlier today, I rewatched it, and it made me cry twice. Right. Like, I teared up twice. At, well, specifically at Gene Stapleton's reactions. Right. Like, sh- so Edith Bunker uh-huh. is Archie's wife. Not the brightest bulb. She's she's not a reader. Uh-huh. She takes care of her family. 
And that's enough. <laughs> like, right. That is the life that she wants to have, and that is the life that she has. And the has. life that she was largely conditioned to have, yes. too. Right. And so, so she did not do well in school, the and they were fine right. with that. She's not, yeah. That's where the humor comes from in this show, is that these two people, Archie and Edith, are a product of their generation. Right. And Mike and Gloria are a product of their generation. Right. And so this generation, as we know from that particular period of time, there was a huge gap between them right. because their ideals were so different. So Archie's constantly fighting because the things that he's been told about everyone, you know, right. um, he holds dear to him, and these are changing. Now, something to so people who are you know who want to revisit the show, and you really should if you're because there was pieces of high drama on this program. Um, Archie's racial views, his views on homosexuality and on Jews and on. All of these things changed over time. Okay. To where by the time you get to Archie Bunker's place, he's a person who now has realized... Um, oh, they're people. They're people. The world there's has changed. People. There's a really... There's a couple of episodes that I almost wanted to get you to see. There's one where uh, Archie and Mike are stuck in a basement. And there's nothing to do because they're locked inside. They locked themselves inside. Of course they did. And, and they were equally at fault. Right, equally I'm, at fault. Exactly. Sure. Given watching them on screen right. today, I was like... These two are like perfectly paired dancers. Right. The the duet that they do physically is impeccable. Well, they get drunk because there's a bottle, uh, a I wine bottle there, and Archie actually talks about his childhood, and you suddenly get a tremendous amount of sympathy for a person who does not understand the world at all anymore. Right. It's like everyone called coloreds this when I was a kid, and it's like, why would they get mad at it? That's what everyone That's called That's just them. what it was called. Right. Why would a loaf of bread be mad at, be called, at being called bread? Right. And so he, he's, and he, you hear him going, I don't have anything against him. I just don't understand because that's what we're supposed to say, isn't it? Like he's right. bought he, it. He, he also feels like mm-hmm. if you just tell him what to do, he'd do it. Right. But nobody's telling him what to right, do. Exactly. So he's doing the best he can. <laughs> like, right. That's really what it and feels. And there's scenes in this that are specifically that, where right. he's just like, what do you need? Let me do this. No, I won't do that. And there was Let a, me do this. We were watching no, an... In, what is the TV show? Uh, the I want to call it Crosstalk. Right. <laughs> That's not what it's Talk. called. Uh, with the Hollywood Reporter. Close up. Close up. Close up with the Hollywood Reporter, where a group of uh, showrunners, comedy showrunners, were talking about, yeah. and they mentioned all the family, because you really can't mention comedy in this country or in television without mentioning all the family. And I always thought it was mm. hyperbole to some extent, or mm. just... This is what you love when you're grump coming up because this right. is what there is. No, there it's was a, amazing. There was a. They mentioned that to a lot of probably middle-aged white guys, Archie Bunker was speaking their truth. Of course, yeah. And so when you look at it now, it seems like it's going to be offensive, and then you realize he's changing over time, and he's trying to make the progression with the audience so that people can begin to accept. Right, things. right, and you can sort of see him. Like I said, there's. Yeah. There's not malice in him. Right. He just... He's, is... he's, he's grumpy. Right. But he's not hateful. So, um, okay, so let's get so into get the into episode. the actual episode, yeah. So the episode starts with... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't... What's the daughter's name? Uh, Gloria. Gloria. I want to call her Sally, because her name is Sally. Sally. Who is... It's Sally Struthers... Who's beautiful and looks like a doll. She also has a I face. I want to brush her hair. <laughs> her face is amazing. Her face is, yeah. She can contort it in very many ways. Big eyes, big eyes, little right. eyes. <laughs> yes. 
Gloria and Mike and Archie are in the kitchen and Gloria is trying to get Archie to like understand her plan. They're going to have a surprise party. It's going to be next door. Excuse me. The timing on this episode is a little bit weird because all this is ostensibly happening at about 520 in the afternoon. Uh And I'll get to why that is in just a second. But they're acting like Edith is coming, like waking up for the day and starting the day. And I'm just like, but like six is like, like in a minute, but that's fine. So she's like, you cannot wish Ma a happy birthday because you never do. And if you do, she's going to know something's up. First of all, Ma ain't going to know anything is up. I promise. She's oblivious. (laughs) She's fine. I'm going to wish her happy birthday. And then he's like, well, I'm going to look like an idiot. And she's like, no, 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 no. Because she expects me to wish her happy birthday. Anyway, so what they end up working out is that he is going to, very shortly, Archie Archie is going to follow Gloria and Mike to their house, saying that they... She, he needs to watch their kid and then mom is going to come and get him at six and then they're going to go to dinner but really at six all of their friends are going to be at the kid's house and they're going to have a surprise party for her it's her 50th birthday it's a big deal it's it's we're, we're shown that of course archie got his wife a, a gift for her birthday she's his wife and then she goes what i get little girl a beautiful cardigan sweater. <laughs> so she is really doing a lot of the heavy lifting in their relationship, it seems like. And then Gloria and Mike leave to go next door. And then Archie follows and leaves and does not remember the punch bowl. There's, he's supposed to bring the punch right. bowl with him uh, because they're, <laughs> his daughter is using the $11 punch bowl that they got them for their anniversary. Remember, this is 1977. Yes, it's so it's sending back eleven dollars. Uh, they're using it as a fish bowl. I got a ten cent fish in an eleven dollar bowl. <laughs> but then he leaves shortly after. Edith comes down. It is they do all say happy birthday eventually, and he says, "I'm gonna take you out tonight, so come over at six. I'm gonna go over to the kids' house. I'll see you later." And she goes to start cooking or baking herself a pie or a cake. So she's working on making herself a birthday cake. He says, don't do that, because apparently her cooking is not good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's an ongoing joke. It's an ongoing <laughs> joke. Her house cleaning skills are excellent. Her cooking, not so Not much. so great. And her singing. And I'm going to put it at Jean's the end. Tableton did a wonderful job of this. I don't know how to describe the quality of her voice. Nasal. <laughs> the quality that you're looking for to describe is nasal. Nasal and very high. Yes. And, and but her voice was pretty high anyway. I bet her voice is lovely. Well, I imagine it is because yeah. to, to be able to do that, it's almost as if she took a great deal of training and then did the exact That's opposite of what she's doing. Like true bad do. singing, right. usually it's done by good singers or Pierce Brosnan. Oh, right. no. So she's baking her birthday cake. She's alone in the house. She's baking her birthday cake. And the, there's a knock on the door. And uh, her friend, the grocery store clerk, Sybil, is there. And she's pissed. <laughs> and we've early learned that Sybil was not invited to the party. No, because... Archie hates her. Archie hates her. 
And then we discover that Archie might not be very far off on this particular topic. Right. Oh, so she's like, I'll never forgive you. And he does this like, what are you talking about? As this woman is standing in her doorway. She's like, you didn't invite me to the party. She's like, what party? She goes, your birthday right. party. She's like, so, or your party. She's like, I wasn't invited either. <gasps> oh. <laughs> and then it's a surprise party. It must be a surprise party. Please. And she goes, oh, I love the cat out of the bag. I'm glad. And I'm like, oh, you are a bitch. <laughs> no, no wonder nobody wants you there. And then she, Edith invites her in and they talk for a little bit. And she's like, Archie hates me. And then Edith is like, what? What makes you say that? Or who told you that? And she's like, Archie. And I said it too at the same time. I'm like, fucking Archie told her that. Because Archie is not a person who's not going to say, I fucking don't like you. And then she's like, well, lots of, he hates lots of people. President Carter, all of the United Nations. (laughs) Like, they don't feel bad. You shouldn't feel bad. Which is really interesting logic, I think. Yes. And then um, she says, well, you come to the party. I would like you to come to the party. Please come to the party. And she's like, I will come to the party. And then she goes to leave and like almost runs into this dude that's there, right. this young man that's there. And then she turns around and winks at Edith. And then she goes. And then Edith is left with this man on her porch who is this dude. And he starts talking and she's like, oh, and she slams the door in his face and then latches the longest chain lock right. I've ever seen. Now, granted, yeah. we know we have to see him in the shot. So I get why it's so up. Chain it's lock like, control. Yeah, it's... I could maybe fit through the, <laughs> the opening of the door. And I am not a small person. <laughs> um, and she's like, I'm sorry to be rude, but a woman can never be too careful. And then she, he says... Of course, my name's Lambert. I'm with the police. I'd like to ask you a few questions. And yoink, chain lock off. And he's in the house. Well, this is back when people trusted the police. Well, white people still do to a large extent. An entirely foreign subject to me. I don't understand. Now, I will say there is a thing on YouTube right now Uh that says learning from this episode. And they're like, nothing that happens to Edith is Edith's fault. And they go through scene by scene and then kind of do a like a, a cut screen and here's what you should do different. Right. Um, I yeah. only got up to this part where it was get the badge while the door's still closed and don't let a stranger in your house. No, I believe that Norman Lear consulted with police, police to, to, to be able to... And rape survivor centers. Authenticity to the episode. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it felt, it feels this passage on, from this moment on, really, and we're given a few cutaways from here that sort of only kind of build up the effect of what's about to happen. Yeah. Where Archie and Mike and Gloria are all very obliviously planning a party. Yeah, they're looking at cake and right. trying to figure out where to put punch when there's a de- and there's a dead fish. But the scenes where this guy, who pretended to be a police officer, first reveals that he... Yeah, it's a real heinous reveal. Like, it feels real gross. Because uh-huh. he's like, I'm looking for a man with this color suit and this color hat as he hangs his hat up and takes his jacket off and describes his tie and he says she he's molesting women in the neighborhood and she's like or like she's like oh like the tie you're wearing and he's like exactly like that and then he locks the door 
And now, so... When you're watching this scene, there's... This was back when live in front of a studio audience really meant live in front of a studio yep. audience. And so... You know, if they say that, they still are live in front of the well, studio audience. It's no. considerably audio enhanced so that there's oh, more Oh, that's laughter. probably true. Uh, so and you can still hear when you're watching this or some of the old Norman Lear shows, you can hear people shouting things from the audience. Yeah. And they would have to cut and break. Because, and break, yeah. Uh, this reveal feels a lot to me like a person who's done this so many times that this is part of his dominance game. Right. He sees this as a practiced or a rehearsed way of instilling fear into his yeah. victim. He he gave me a real Robert Mitchum vibe. <laughs> not the care not the guy. Right, Robert the Mitchum. Character. The kind of creepy character he, he played in Yeah, Cape like fear, a Night of the Hunter thing. Or, Hunter, or, yeah. Yeah. But with this it it's very uncomfortable. You can feel the audience, you can hear their laughter sort of there's points when Edith's perpetual innocence and optimism is still making you laugh, but then it he, it gets more and more somber as it goes along. It is, yeah. So at f- she's like, um, she says, you know, what do you want from me? And he says, I am exactly what you think I want from you. She says, she offers him coffee. As he's like thrown her down on the couch and is basically straddling her. Um, he, she offers him coffee. like, And then she's like, I have to go. Like, right. And he's like, what do you mean you have to go? go like that's not just something that you say to somebody who is like in the process of assaulting you she's like i have to go and she's like you know she's babbling a little bit but with purpose and she's like i'm supposed to be there if i'm not there then they'll know something's up and they'll come over and i you know they live right there and um, oh, we should mention the man is also carrying a thirty-eight. She doesn't know that at first. Right. When she's offering him coffee and things like that, she doesn't know that he's got a gun. And then he, she, he does say, "I don't want to hurt you," but and pulls out a gun. Is now, it a thirty-eight? I don't know. It's a handgun of like, some sort. I felt in these in this part of it that her constantly trying to distract him with something was the only skill set or the only tool that she had. She's. Anybody who'd watched the program knew just very, very good natured, very opt violence wouldn't enter her mind. Really. Right. Uh, no, so, but when she sees that gun, her eyes go yes. huge. Jean Stapleton, again, like every member of this cast, is amazing. Of course, yeah. And her this scene is really again, I turned away from it a couple of times. It was very hard to watch. Um, yeah, and she says, um, I I'm gonna be sick and he gets yeah. off of her. But then she isn't sick, and then he's like, you know, this is going to happen, basically. He starts taking his clothes off. She says, oh, you're not taking your clothes off, are you? And he says, yes, I'm taking mine off, and then I'm going to take yours off. She says, I have to go to the bathroom, and then run. I've Okay, that's another thing about this show. I have never seen people run in their own home as much as I saw people running through this house. It was bananas. And I don't know if that's a regular thing. Or if it was specific to this episode. His character was always hustling off to do something. Okay. Her laundry. But she like books it for the staircase and he chases and she's like, where are you going? And he goes, you're going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And she just turns around and she goes, I guess I'll wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Which is a funny line. There's there's still funny lines going on in the, you know. Yeah. And then the phone rings, 
And she's like, I always answer it. If I don't answer it, he's going to know something's wrong. She assumes it's Archie from next door. Um, hopes that it's Archie from next door. And he holds the gun on her while she answers the phone. And it's fucking Sybil who, like, wants to know if she needs something. She's like, no, no, no. I'm, and she's out of breath, but she tries to explain it. With, I'm busy getting ready for the party that I don't even know about. At one point, Archie does end up coming over. She is he and we're getting pretty deep into it now like he's yeah. in just his um he's he never ta- ends up taking off his pants no I but think he's down to like a white beater they would have really not done that yeah, and that. i think at this point her dress is unzipped uh-huh. and he's wearing like a tank top that's about right. where they get to and the dog outside barks apparently this dog only barks at one person, who's that person? Her ever-loving husband, who's on his way back to pick up oh, punch the punch bowl. Because uh, the goldfish from previously that we mentioned died. Died. And he bowl. was like, great, we can use this bowl as a punch bowl. And he washes that out real good. And they're like, there was a dead fish in it like three minutes ago. Right. <laughs> Go get the other punch bowl. And that that's the part in the first episode. Mr. Jaws died. And Sally Struthers goes, eh. It's like a real Margaret Keene painting come to life, you know. She's, she's yeah, just all giant eyes. And then, but Archie, the assailant, we'll call him Lambert. That's how he introduced himself. Is in the closet, and she's supposed to let Archie in and get him out quickly. And she does. And and part of the problem here, of course, is Archie comes in talking, monologues the entire time he's there as her his wife looks fucking terrified and is back out the door still talking not listen not taking in his his uh surroundings at all just like mad that he had to come next door and get this damn punch bowl (laughs) and that the chain was on the door what the fuck is going on in here but he never gives her a chance to like respond he just comes in monologuing monologuing and he's gone and she's done very well and he locks the door again and goes back to sort of having her down on the couch, um, sort of underneath him. At one point, he's kissing her, like, on the mouth. Yeah, the look of disgust. And then her. after Archie comes and goes, he tries to kiss her again, and she says, can't we just do this without kissing? Which is, like, such a resignation that is, like, like she's just like, okay, well, I can get through some things, but I can't get through that. And then... She's, um, and he says, I mean, sure, but you'll end up wanting to, which is. Right, adds to the kind so of. fucking odiousness <laughs> yeah. of this person. And then they smell burning. And the cake, there's a cake in the oven. And the cake is burning. So she's like, oh, it's burning, it's burning. They go into the, he lets her get up and go into the kitchen because he doesn't want to die in a fire, I assume. <laughs> and there's smoke coming out of the oven and she's like, oh no, the cake, the cake. And she goes and she pulls this cake out of the oven and he says, get rid of it. And she pushes it into his face and it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and she, he doubles over in pain and she like pushes him, like opens the back door, pushes him out of it, closes the door and then runs, like hysterically runs through the kitchen, through the living room and out the front door. And then you see her running down the walk. And then that's the sort of to-be-continued... Well, it originally was one episode. When it got syndicated, they cut they it into two. They cut it into two. So that was um, but they... it ran as one. Uh-huh. 
and then we're the next scene that we are in is in the the kitchen of the kids' house, and there's like fifteen people there. Yeah. There's a lot of people crammed in there. They're trying to decide whether they're going to yell surprise or happy birthday, and Edith runs in the door, and as they're like trying to yell surprise and happy birthday, she's just yelling Archie, 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 and she hugs him, and you see, sort of off frame, you see Sally Struthers, um, like you see a weird look on her face as they go past, and then you see her hand zip up the back of her mom's right. dress, which was actually a really good moment, I think. What we learn later on is that Sally Struthers' character, Gloria, was also the victim of a sexual assault. Yeah, I, yeah. And so I think that that plays a huge part in the rest of this episode. This episode. But so, I think that moment kind of betrayed that she intuitively, not intuitively, she observed something Observed wrong, something. You could see that she knew, yeah, something was going on. And, um, and Archie is like, oh, you know, happy birthday, happy birthday. And then he's like, wait, you're not crying for happiness. Like, he sees that she's real hysterical. Because whatever else he is, he actually does love her love very her. much. Yeah, and for it's sure. like he calls her names all the time. He makes fun of her. He makes fun of her all through this episode. Well, all through the beginning of the episode. But what it reminds me... I yeah, think, he keeps saying that she's going to wet herself. The closest... And you can see how Archie influenced King of the Hill and influenced Homer Simpson. Sure. There's a lot of... Archie Bunker and Homer Simpson. Yeah. But like those other characters, you can also see that there's a genuine kind of affection no matter how weird it gets between him and the other members of his family. Yeah. And so what I like is something you pointed out when we were watching the episode, which is at no point does he ever question... Nope. Did this happen to you, or Did, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? This, there's no. You're making things up. That's right. not. It never. Not even once. And I'll get in. Uh, there's. Mm-hmm. I have more to add to that um, when we get to it, which will be shortly. So um, he ushers her out, and we see them in what what is probably the kids' bedroom. Yeah, bedroom right? And she's sitting on the bed, and he's sitting with, or he's he's trying to get her to tell her, tell him what happened, and. And I actually, and this is some of that strong, like, comedic writing, because it's still, this whole exchange is hilarious, and she is hysterical, like, legitimately freaked out, but the way that they wrote her lines and his responses is genius. So she's like, um, she says, a man said he was looking for another man and then it turns out he's the man he was looking for and he tried to he tried uh, to that <laughs> that line right there is something worthy of Harold Pinter yeah it's, no it reads it like was, Harold Pinter or David Mamet it was <laughs> I was really... just like cuz it is like this weird riddle but that is what happened to right. her she thought he was a policeman looking for a rapist right. then it turns out he was a rapist yeah and then like Archie's like, what does that mean? Sit down, calm down, take a deep breath. And then she sort of gets through, I was attacked. And she, and and it's Archie that says, did he rape you? And he says it just very much like, I was like, I didn't expect to hear that word. Uh-huh. I was actually very surprised. And then they go on and do it a few more times. Um, and she's like, nobody tried. And then... Archie gets mad, but he's like, she, oh, no, she's, he says, um, did he rape you? He, she says, no, 
I thought he was going to try and kill me. And he says, did, did he? Right. <laughs> and I'm Which like. gets a huge laugh because it's the and kind then of. And she's like, no, right. I hit him with my cake. And he says, oh, good, you had something heavy laying right, around. Exactly. And it's just like, that's a good joke. This should not be as funny as it is. And it's so, like, because he's, the look on his face is very much like, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I believe you. I'm listening to your story. And also, I am who I am. So sometimes, and also to offset some of this discomfort, I bet. Let me just say a cute thing. Well, and that was the genius of this kind of writing. Remember, we were not even very far away from when Rod Serling and Patty Chayefsky were writing plays for television, right. American television. So it was still people who grew up with that, people who were used to that as a medium. So right. you're watching a play with brilliant acting to it, and you're watching that exchange. I think the writers knew enough to know you're not watching just a person, an attempted rape on a person. You're watching attempted rape on a person that half the audience is identifying as their mother. As their mother. And the other half of the audience is identifying as themselves. Right. <laughs> so you're, you're watching this and they have to find a way of not making it so unrelentingly grim. And so the, the fact that you know these people and know their interactions, that when he says something like, you know, he didn't kill you, oh good. That's, it's not that he's going for a, a laugh so much as, when he's flustered and he doesn't know quite what to say, but this is the thing that comes to his head because that's how his brain works. Right. Which we all know somebody like that or are somebody like that. Or in an emergency, we become a person like Like that. that, We just sort of lose our words and our ability to to reason things out. And so Gloria and Mike come and they're like, we have to call the police. And the instantly, no, we don't want to call the police. Remember when it happened to you and we knew it was gonna they were gonna turn it around. Right. So it turns out three seasons before this on an episode called Glory of the Victim. Not three seasons before this, the third season, so right. five seasons before this. Gloria was sexually assaulted while walking home from work. Um in the episode, Edith relates a Right. prior attempted date rape when she was a teenager and it was in the 40s and there was nothing she didn't report it because that wasn't a reportable thing so this is a woman who's been you know you know hashtag me too is a real fucking thing like yeah. every woman in this family has yeah. been the uh, uh, the um I'd like to recipient of this, this of an assault the recipient, um, like it's a prize. Mm-mm. When I when I think about television at this time, and that was 1977, okay, so this is the, the same year Star Wars came out. And so I was a kid and trying to put together these things. I didn't get to see this episode until much later parts of it. Because again, you know, one, it was a very special episode, so right. I was uh, hushed out of the room. Um, but, or ushered out of the room, I'm sorry. And you were only eight? yeah. Rape and sexual assault was still treated as comedy right. at this point. Now, I, I guess the, one of the points uh, of this episode specifically was to show the woman's point of view. Right. I, I'm taking back to, and again, I know that people have very fond memories of this TV show I did too when I was a kid watching Three's Company. And there was an episode where uh, Suzanne Summers' character is afraid of being alone in her apartment with her roommate. Jack, who's always hitting on her, because he's going to try something when she's gone. 
And he instead realizes that he's making her uncomfortable, so he becomes a perfect gentleman. And then she's upset that he didn't try anything. Okay. And then she starts sobbing, and she has Janet come and comfort her. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why am I no longer attractive enough to where this man doesn't try to assault me? Jesus Christ. And then he has to ex- like make up a story why he no longer felt the need to sexually assault her. Not He could have just said, well, we've become friends in the interview. Oh, I see you year, as a human being and, and not just a, a set of holes. Right. Well, like, what? On top of that, it would never be appropriate to... Tr- so it was played for laughs all throughout the episode. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what kind of message did that pass on about what's Nothing permissible good. and unpermissible behavior? And yeah. also remembering, even TV shows, I remember Laverne and Shirley, that half of the humor there seemed to be them, physical comedy, fighting off men who are trying to pull them into bedrooms or yes, trying to make out with or them. or grab the them. And, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a full half of the humor of yeah. that show. And so, Of just how do I keep men from putting their hands on me. After this. You yeah. know, there wasn't a progression that was made by this episode in terms of television writing, but there certainly was in terms of changing the dy- dynamic because yeah. rape was played for titillation back then. Right. You know, I remember watching... And this episode really, I mean, well, let's... Okay, Yeah, let's get back into the episode and we'll come back to this. Because um, I think specifically what Gloria says later is right, and what Gloria, the fact that this is now about not this is the this right. is the second assault that the show has dealt with, and in the first ass- episode they didn't do anything about it because they were afraid that Gloria's name was going to be dragged into the news. It was going to be made to be about her, and it was going to be her fault, and they didn't want to victimize her further. And that situation has not changed. Is that nope, and in this case. That is their first thing, is the men are like, you can't... Well, no, uh, Archie. Archie. And Edith. Edith doesn't want to call the police because she doesn't want to think about it. She wants to pretend it did not happen. She wants to forget about it. She doesn't want to think about it and at so all. And so you're seeing very clearly a generational difference. Yes. But the kids are both like, you have to call the police. Yeah. You have to call the police. And there's a back and forth where... Um, the the men are going to go next door to make sure that, because they're like, we just need to get, she needs to come home. And she's like, he might still be there. And so the boys are going to go next door. And she's like, don't go, don't go, he'll hurt you. And they're like, oh, that's when right. there's a little gay slur. What is he, some kind of fruit too? And she's like, no, he has a gun. And then they're both like, I don't want to go if he's got a gun. And I'm like, call the police. <laughs> like now? And I understand, I'm, I'm speaking from privilege of, of whiteness, so are they. When the person who might still be in your house moves from just beyond assaulter to assaulter with a deadly weapon, call the police. Call now, the police. What we have to say here, too, is there is, and I'm watching it again, so much more physical comedy than I remember yes. when I was a kid. Because um, the boys go next door and, and are very, a full so, Laurel and Hardy situation. Right, they are hysterical, and not just. But there was earlier. There was a lot of stuff with uh, Archie and and uh, Gloria. Gloria, because Gloria hits him constantly. On top of it, constantly hitting him on the head or kicking him, which could cause him to go cockeyed. And then he runs around the couch. And there's mm-hmm. just a lot of physical, a lot of physical performance in here. But the scene with them going back. To the house. To the house. And they're debating, like, who's going to go for it. And, and it comes up with, you know, the, he hears there's a gun, and Archie's like, that's why there should be a loaded gun in every house. And he's talking to his son-in-law, and his son-in-law's like, 
I don't, be- I, I don't know how many times I have to tell you I don't believe in violence. And, he, and then, but meanwhile, has picked up a bat. Right. Which Archie mocks him. Are you, he's like, are you going to bunt him into the next room? And I'm like, well, I mean, a bat is better than the nothing you've got in your hands right now, Archie. And then it's, they collide and get stuck going through the front door because they are both going to go first, but then both don't want to go first. Um, then he ends up falling into the closet where there's... Um, the clothes are still there. Right, the clothes that the rapist left. The behind. rapist left behind his clothes. Had had thrown them into the closet when he had to hide in there when Archie had come back. So his clothes are still there. So evidence. Well, I mean, he left with a burning cake in his face. So right, he, he was going to come back. That's right. right. Um, and they get it's an all clear situation. And then as they're leaving. The girls are coming in with the police, who end up dragging Archie back in because Archie like goes running out of the front door, and then is like scooped by one arm on each side by these two cops that then pick him up and like hoist him back into the front. And they're like, "It's not him. He lives here. He's her husband." Um, they end up giving. Oh. Mike slips and falls on the birthday cake in the in the other room. You hear it. Yeah. And he comes back and he's like, I, th- I slipped on the cake. It tasted burnt. Dude, you slipped on a cake that was on the floor. Why do you know what it tastes like? <laughs> <laughs> How badly do you yeah. slip? Uh, and then the police say that they have picked up an injured man wandering around the back alley who fits the description of the subject. And they hold up the clothes. And Edith is like, I don't want to I don't want to look at him. I don't ever want to see him again. I don't want to look at him. And they hold up the clothes. They hold up the tie. And when she sees the tie, she just screams. They say, does this look familiar? And she just screams, no, he'll kill me. He'll kill me. He'll kill me. And then runs upstairs. And it's like the most terror I've ever seen on a sitcom actress's face. I was just like, Holy balls. She's really in fear for her life. And also, that seems like a positive ID. I know that she didn't use the words, yes, I recognize those. But when that is her response, I feel like the police should be able to run with it as probable cause. Especially since there's a fake badge as part of this. That's true. I think. You yeah. know, there's also, there's so much to convict this guy on. So two weeks later, we come back um, and... Edith is ironing apparently a non a no iron sheet for the ninetieth time. So, we live in a world where ironing sheets isn't necessarily a thing that many people do anymore. No. My and with the spray and the look on Archie's face, I've got to think that they feel like oh, I don't know paper sleeping on maybe like a mummy. I imagine so just, stiff. <laughs> I just imagined a large sheet of butcher paper that you're just sort of rolling oh, around. Oh, maybe, with. but that even seems smoother than what starch would lead. Yeah, I don't probably. know. So then there's banging on the door, and Edith flees. She just screams and runs upstairs and um, leaves the iron on the sheet. So Gloria's sitting there, and she gets up, and she picks up the iron, and then she runs to answer the door. How many people in the audience right now, young people, even know what that's about? I mean, that's such a... Well, 
irons. No, they're a thing. You can buy an ironing board at Target. So that's that was the great disaster of my youth. It's like leaving an iron. Yeah, don't leave an iron on something. Yeah, and it's Archie, and he's like, I'm never going back to that grocery store. I've been going to that grocery store for two weeks because Edith won't leave the house, and I, I can't do it anymore. And she's like, Don't bang on the door when you get back. It scares her, and she goes and hides. She comes down and she's like, oh, it's just you. Edith comes down. Edith comes down. Yeah, oh, it's just you. I don't know what happens. She gets frustrated and she goes back upstairs. And then Sally Struthers and her dad, Gloria and Archie, have this conversation. And she's he's like, she's getting worse and worse. Like, she's not getting better. And Gloria's like, and he's like, after what happened to you, you got over it fast. And she's like, how... The fuck do you know that? I still can't walk down that street. It's been years, right? right? I still can't walk down that street. And my husband was fantastic and supportive. Not like you and what you're doing, which is not any of those things. You need to go up there. You need to hug her. You need to put your arm around her. You need to kiss her. And he's like, but after what happened, won't you think I'm gonna? I'm attacking her, which and was remarkably sensitive. Yes, it I was. Just, it was one of those moments where I was taken aback. By, oh, and okay. then Gloria's like, "What happened to her was not about sex. It was only about power. And now she's scared and she's angry and she doesn't think that she's worth being loved." And you need to show her you still love her. And I'm like, this is some forward progressive shit for 1977. Yeah. And um, he goes upstairs and he tries to, like, he's not great at any of this, but he's try- she's like, she needs TLC. And he goes, she gets high on an aspirin. No doctor's <laughs> going to give her TLC. And she's <laughs> like, it's tender, loving care. And then so uh, he goes upstairs and he's like, kisses her. And he's like, isn't that nice? And she's like, you still love me? Oh, yeah, that was Which favorite. was like, whoa. And then he's like, of course I still love you. Why do you think I'm doing all this LTD? And she's <laughs> like, what? And he's like, loving till daylight? I don't know. I don't remember. Now, in the meantime, you've heard the phone ring. And Gloria, like, bursts in the door. At which point, she's like, learn to knock, learn to knock, learn to knock. We could have been doing something in here. You don't know. And then Gloria usher like shoves him out the door, and he's like, "You sent me up here. Why are you sending me?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, she, Gloria is talking to her mom, and she's like, "They they let that guy go. We had just found out they after because they couldn't ID him. Nobody would ID him. They let this guy go. He's attacked another woman. They've got him in custody. They want Edith to go down and." Um, identify, identify him, him. and she's like no I, I don't want to go I'm scared she's like why can't this lady do it and Gloria's like she she can but she won't because she's too scared and Edith's like I'm also too scared too scared and they make their way downstairs and Gloria loses her shit she's just like you're gonna get you're put on your jacket you're gonna go you can't just keep staying here and being scared like you have to do this for yourself and edith is like no and she hangs up her coat and she's like i'm not going i'm not being selfish i just i can't do it and gloria's like you're not my mother my mother 
is would do something anything to help somebody you're a coward you're not my mother and edith slaps her across the fucking face <laughs> and it's just like <gasps> and the two dudes both archie and mike are in the scene in the doorway to the kitchen because they have come back they are watching this thing and neither of them says anything and i'm like Way to go, dudes, for knowing when to shut the fuck up and let the ladies deal with what they need to deal with. And as soon as she hits her, she apologizes. Like, something in her snaps. She apologizes. She kisses her cheek. She hugs her. She says, I love you. I love you. I'm so sorry. And she goes, come on, Archie. And she goes and puts out her coat. And she's Mm -hmm. like, and you can put this away. I'm not going to iron anymore. I'm not doing any more ironing. And then she says something about there's more clothes in the tub downstairs. You can let out the water. They were clean anyway. So she's just been right. like obsessively cleaning. But she nice. is done with that now. Um, and then she, they go and walk out the front door, at which point Gloria realizes that her mom just slapped her <laughs> and just like puts her hand to her cheek and then just bursts into tears and her husband holds her. And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So what did you think? Because I know that I'm not sure that you were necessarily skeptical about this at the beginning. I wasn't skeptical about it. I it was, I didn't know what to expect. Right. Um. Some very mature, like not mature as in like, oh, it's a comedy, so it's it aimed uh, at young people. I mean, this is some woke things coming out of these people. Now, granted, did. Archie used the word fruit to describe gay person. Yes. Oh, and, and there are much worse things that he does in other episodes, but... But... Again, you're watching a progression of a man who yeah. eventually grows out of this. Right. So there are, like... I mean, it's it's not 100% well, woke across the board, uh, but on this no, topic, they were doing... So, and, I, and I guess it turns out, like, uh, this originally was a plot line that they were going to do on One Day at a Time. With Bonnie Franklin, uh-huh. who was, uh, she was in her 30s, right? She's a significantly younger Significantly woman, younger right? woman. And Norman Lear changed it to Edith Bunker specifically because he wanted people to know it can and does happen to anybody. Well, I felt, going back to Archie Bunker, and again, it's when you're watching him say really horrible things, part of the joke is, I think Sarah Silverman said it, when she's saying really offensive things, she's mean to point out how stupid she's being. Right. And so when Norman Lear and the other writers are giving Archie Bunker these terrible things to say, it's so that you can couch it and go like a mirror and see how stupid his attitude like, is. Right, right. Catch, Especially it's, when it's, it's paired with an attitude of mm-hmm. like, like a true, like he almost feels like a toddler to me. Right. Part of that is that Something about Carol O'Connor's face. His round face and his fringe of hair. <laughs> seems so smooth and soft like a baby. I mean, even though, like, he's... Well, he he may have gone white early, too, so he uh-huh. might have just had that, uh, like, that natural older than he actually was thing. Or his skin was just... Mm, he had great... Like, as even as round and soft as his face was, I was like, oh, he looks like a tiny baby. Saying some very yeah, but right. that yeah. Well, he's. Um, I hit him with my cake. Oh, it's good that he had something heavy laying around. He had a great. Well, he was what? a member of the Actors Studio his whole yeah, life. Yeah. So, 
And, and like all of these people, they were just on point. They put together the right combination of actors for it. But going to the theme of the episode in terms of being woke, I felt like this, as I mentioned before, was so much more progressive than anything that we were getting on television. Yeah. And still stands out. It's still relevant because we have not addressed this subject. No. We have gotten nowhere near it. When, and another thing that I was going to mention with you, there was this time where I remember for my birthday, maybe you got it for me, Hmm. there was a whole package of Hammer films. Uh, horror films from the 60s from England. I it's, might have. Yeah. I used to try and buy you clumps of movies hoping that one or two of them were things you hadn't seen. No, they were, but <laughs> some of them were. I was successful. I'm sad that you stopped doing that. But I gave up. You we, we lean on streaming now. We don't need more DVDs in this yeah, house. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when uh, you bought those for me, I guess, I was watching some of them, and there were some in the set that I hadn't seen before. And it surprised me how, of maybe five discs, the plot points on three of them hinged on someone attempting to be raped or someone about to be raped. It was generally one of the Hammer Starlets. They were very famous for these bosomy women in tight gowns being pursued through the woods or being grabbed. One of the stories starts with a woman almost being raped and then her eventually being raped. And this is in the first 15 minutes. And that's not even... The point of the movie. No, that's not even the point of the movie. And that's so, just what happens. And this is not to disparage that particular studio because it happened in westerns all mm-hmm. the time. So we just grew up with these sort of images of bodice ripping and this was considered sexy. At one point, I forget the actress's name. She was one of the hosts of a TV show called That's Incredible. Mockingly made the joke that rape was America's favorite way to zip, unzip its fly. That's how casually it was treated at one but point. But also... That's not inaccurate. It's, but it still it makes it a sexual context where it's not a, you know, or puts it in. Well, does context. it? So, or is it just that so much of what women deal with is violence? And and so this story or this, it stands out to me because Kathy rather, Lee Crosby was it? Yeah. Rather than, and I, Archie at one point when the cops are there is like you're not going to make this her fault. Which is great that he was defending her, too. He knew, Yeah. But you can see the conditional response between people from one generation and people from another. The, you know, Gloria and Mike are aware of the fact that they have rights. Archie and Edith seem to be very much, what are people going to say about us right. when this comes Although, up? Although, that's exactly what Mike and Gloria did five seasons previously. So, mm-hmm. you know. So, when, when I'm looking at this, I'm also saying that it seems to be, like you mentioned, some sort of horrid generational gift that's passed down, the fact that these women have to deal for themselves. Yeah. And that's what makes the scene where Mike and and, uh, and uh, Archie are standing in the kitchen, or standing in the doorway of the kitchen. Standing in the doorway. Out of the way. This is an issue that women have to deal with, and two women resolved it. It was not a big, strong guy coming in to save you. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was, tried right. to calm anybody down. Nobody, you know, because, I mean... I've got to think that both of them were shocked to see Edith lay a hand on her daughter. I can't think that that was a regular no, part of their no, minds. No. Um, and both of them... Well, seeing Edith earlier even shove the, the burning cake into the guy's face, this is so out of character. that uh, And that's part of the reason why the audience cheered. I think also they were terrified. Yeah. They, yeah. they so, had been worked into a state by yeah. watching this happening. So apparently on the filming of this, 
Now, typically between scenes, they would take breaks where the actors might cool down, get something to drink. The audience yeah. would sort of reset. In this case, um, from the beginning, like the start of the episode, right. all the way through to her running out is one, like a play. They didn't stop it. There was no place for the audience to um, release any of the tension that was building. And so when she threw that cake in his face, the audience went on a protracted shouting, screaming, cheering yeah. situation. That That's the only part that's really cut down, apparently. That he, he did almost the entire episode just straight through. It was the loudest cheers and applause from the studio audience in the history of the series. And David Dukes, who, A, has a name that's way too close to a KKK member's right. name. Um, poor guy. Yeah. Is the actor that played Lambert. Not, poor guy. I would like to clarify. Poor guy, the actor. Not, the actor, not, not, the, not the Grand Dragon. Yeah. No. David Dukes, the actor who played Lambert, uh, maintained that he received persistent vitriol for years because of this episode. Right. Because essentially you tried to rape their mom. So yeah, yeah that, that's... Unacceptable. Yeah, Norman Lear went to several places to do research before writing this episode. Um, the Rape Treatment Center at Santa Monica Hospital. They did advanced screenings for police and hospitals across the country. They It continued to be aired in women's shelters and... Uh, Should have been, yes. Police... Uh, police offices, what's the word on the police stations, uh, for officers to um, sort of see the victim's side, rather than being so quick to be like, well, what did you do to make it so that and it's, dot, dot, dot. I just really wish that... Which was the default, I guess, for, and sometimes in some places, I guess now is yes, the default. Yes, Yeah, that's this episode. That's what I know. How did you feel about it? I thought it was excellent. But I mean, how do you feel about the way the subject was treated? Uh, very good. Like, I was amazed by... I was amazed on two levels. I was amazed at, like, how aware they were to to the, those aspects. To the, how does she feel? Will she feel like I'm trying to assault her thing? And Versus the, no, she won't, she's feeling like you might not love her anymore. That was... Uh, very eye-opening and very good. The it wasn't her fault was very good. The the very blatant PTSD that she had was very good. Um, and I think the violence that she lashed out at her daughter, because her daughter is basically like, you are letting everybody, you're letting all these other women be victims because you're not going to lock up this dude. That's that's Gloria's fundamental thing. It's not about, you know. Part of it is about giving her mom some control back in her life so she isn't just going to live in her house forever because she hasn't left the house in two weeks. But a big part of it is also, you know what it's like to be assaulted. I know what it's like to be assaulted. How about we fucking stop this assaulter? Like, yeah, That's why I said it something. became a, a really um, the camaraderie between two women who shared something. Yeah. And it became very primal and it wasn't about men. We didn't, as again, we didn't need a man to rescue us. I'm looking at the idea to me that this is 1977, right? 14 years later, 
14 years later, um, <clears throat> the Kevin Costner, well, it's not necessarily his fault, film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. In 1991? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Ends with, the climax is an attempted rape with the sheriff of Nottingham and Maid Marian, and it's played for laughs. Oh, that's right. It's played for here. Yeah. They, and yeah. The, uh, the, the second part of it that was that is awe-inspiring mm-hmm. is the way that humor is placed in this episode. Right. But this was just... This the, is not a very special episode, and there are no yeah. laughs. This was a legitimately funny episode of this show, and none of it was at the expense of the women. No. I mean... Well, any more than not, the, none of it was at the expense of the sexuality or or uh, of the women or the um, acts that were perpetrated against them. But yeah, the point. Any I was any any humor at the expense of Edith is because she's a bad cook. It's the reason not. why I brought that up about Robin Hood was it's fourteen years after somebody made this statement, and they're still playing a rape for laughs, and Robin Hood has to come in at the last minute to save Maid Marian. And then we're still not. It's been forty-one years since this aired, and oh, yeah, we're, that's still, right. we're still and not we're having still, this we're discussion. still in the same place. We're still in the same place. Yeah, and and we're not getting any better about discussing it. We're, we're not, starting to get better about now, discussing it. we were it. forced to. Yes, I mean it was forced on the public. Well, it's got to be forced because it wasn't so, happening I mean, it takes for forty-one full, years. It takes a full generation for the wheel to come around. Somebody I saw mean, it coming all that time. It's just, it's sad that this is something we're still dealing with. And, but I... Uh, do Yeah, should we start talking about toxic masculinity and the patriarchy? I mean, that's, that's why, right? When you can't even, when we can't have a woman in the uh, White House, the woman on the street doesn't have a fucking, a lot of power I, to... <laughs> I was amazed by hearing that Bernie Sanders was, I believe... Was it the first Jewish man to run for president? Um, and I'm thinking, why? Why are we still having that discussion? It just was one of those things that never occurred to me. Like what? Like I, I it baffles me how slow this. Lieberman. No, that was. Um, now, what, who, what was Lieberman was the Democratic nominee for vice? Pre- oh, for vice president. Yeah, I was thinking for president. Uh, okay, so he was the first one in two thousand. He was the first one on a ticket, and that was a vice president. So yeah, yeah then maybe maybe it was Sanders because I can't think of someone between then and no. now. But yeah, the the rate of progress is is very very slow, and I appreciate the fact that I can look back to something that was from my generation that really had something to say that still has something to say. Yeah. I, I don't know. I often labor over... And it's also frustrating that, like, at this point, Uh a lot of people saw this. This is the time when people were watching one thing. This is the one thing that everybody watched. And it didn't move. Like, it, it didn't... It wasn't the catalyst that I think maybe Norman Lear wanted it to be. I'm sure that for some people, it opened them up to discussion. I'm sure. And hopefully it was helpful in police... Uh, there was a period stations. during the 80s where it once again became a topic of conversation and it seemed like, to a ridiculous extent, every character on the TV show got raped at one point. Oh, fun. And that was another thing where there were message shows. Now, this is the on. first time a, a rape was shown or a, an a assault, sexual assault. A, a, yeah, an assault was shown. 
on television. On that's that's my understanding. And it, even the assault itself was realistically done. The, that research. I mean, in terms of the dynamics, the yeah. power dynamics with uh, the the assaulter and the victim. Yeah, I feel, and I and part of it is I don't know Edith Bunker's character because I didn't have eight eight seasons with her before this, but I was like, you're not gonna like she didn't put up hardly any fight at all until the very end. Um, no, until the very end, but certainly not. Um, right at the beginning when she didn't know he was armed. I felt like she could have done more. That's my own frustration. And like I said, I don't know this character. It's also remembering, again, it's the character. It's consistent with the character, but it's also, as the show is trying to illustrate, this is a different generation who doesn't know what they're supposed to do. I think for Edith's character, watching it, knowing her, growing up with her, it's as if from the moment that he declares his intention, she's in shock. Like she this can't is, believe this is she happening. Can't this is happening. Yeah, to her. and that's why true. he has to assert at one point: this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Yeah, uh, he's like, "You're stalling. This is going to happen." And I'm just like, and she keeps thinking that she can, and that's what makes those scenes so powerful. She keeps thinking that she can divert his attention, or she can distract him from something. Right. Like if she's she can, just a good enough host. Yes, she's. She's like, I've got money upstairs. I could give you eight dollars, or I could write you a check. <laughs> like. Like these are not rich people. She, she does not know on, on, at all how to how to process this. So she's just going right. through the routine of things that she does to right. appease her husband or right. do whatever. Or to, to to stall, right? Whatever that is. Coffee, bathroom. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was really really good. I'm glad it had an impact. It's a good choice. Rude. Yes. No, it was, a, it was a good choice. And I'm glad I watched it. And now I'm like curious to see other episodes. I just need to find them in better quality. We ended up watching this on a YouTube video. We have not checked if CBS All Access has it. He, I thought you said we had it. I thought we did. I, <laughs> I thought we I checked. But I realized, of course, that we just had this easier access to it. Yeah, the, the quality of the episode was not as... I like YouTube. It wasn't terrible. No. Like, I, it, it was watchable. And I watched it, like I said, twice. And it's 47 minutes long. So this was basically two episodes. It was a... It was aired as an hour-long thing. I want to watch maybe more episodes if we can find them in better quality. Yeah, I would really like you to see the episode where um, the real good example of the contrast between the characters is the episode where Archie does get a gun. Ooh. And keeps it in his house. No. And it falls into the hands of the people who are robbing the house. Of course it does. Um, and that because that's what always happens. It's really funny because the, the uh, housebreakers are two black men. And so it immediately comes to Archie believing that this validates his opinions and Mike trying to reason with him as a sociologist. <laughs> and they're laughing at him going, oh, we have a liberal, you know. Yeah. And, it becomes, and they did, he did use the word liberal in this episode as like a slur. Pejorative, like, hey. yes. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, you liberal. But, yeah, it's a, I, I think that some people in the audience will remember All in the Family. Others, it might be kind of a, you know, watching it now might be kind of difficult. But it, it always wound up, trying to teach this main character something. You're watching the education of a person. Right. All righty. Are we coming to the end of the... So. Coming to the end of the all-in-the-family discussion. So, 
turning from 1977 to the present. Now for something completely different. Do you have any recommendations? I have two recommendations. One for if you don't want to leave the house and one for if you do want to leave so the house. So what's the recommendation if you don't want to leave the if house? If you don't want to leave the house, I recommend a new uh, docu-series on Netflix. I think it dropped literally yesterday. Yesterday being the 7th of August. Um, it's out now anyways. It's called Marching Orders. It is... I believe 12 10-minute episodes, so basically it's a movie-length thing, and it is a docu-series about the auditions, band camp, and first performance of the Bethune-Cookman Band, which is the number one band in the H... BCU universe. It's what uh, historically black colleges and oh, universities. Okay. It's the school that Drumline is based on. The okay. movie Drumline with Nick Cannon, which is a better movie than it has any any right to be. That movie is great. I've seen it like six times. Don't worry about it. This is those kids in real life, and they're it's uh the beginning of their season and how hard that they they work. They are located in Daytona, Florida in August, and they are working their ass off for 13 hours a day. And I don't know how they don't die. 13 hours a day of, like, physical labor. Of physical labor. And some of them have flutes, but some of them have fucking sousaphones. I don't know how they do it. (laughs) Um, But it's... I don't know what a sousaphone is, but it sounds heavy. A sousaphone is the one that wraps around you. People call it a tuba. So but what, that's not a tube. Are there like waist requirements for a sousaphone? Yeah, you got to fit in it. All right. It's yeah, as big as it is. If you are bigger than it, then you cannot play it. <laughs> yeah. And so we follow the 14 karat gold dancers. We fo- follow the flag team. We follow the drum majors and then a couple of other pieces of the band. Um, and we watch their whole... And then the coach, obviously, or the... Uh, Music director? And, uh, yeah, so it's called Marching Orders. It's very good. I really am intrigued by those bands and the performances that they do. Yeah, and performance, it's... This is with a capital P. They are... Yeah, it's 12 minutes of fucking hardcore dancing. These routines are incredible. They're, like... They're supposed to, like, you know, they're, they have, and they have incredibly high standards for the people coming in as freshmen. Um, so that's a lot of it is, unlike most bands, everyone auditions every year. So just because you were in last year does not mean you will be in this year. To avoid complacency, like, this dude is a hard ass. It's, but it's a really good, I mean, series, and it goes super quick because it's like 10 minute chunks. And you're just like, I, I watched them all last night from like 6.30 to 8.30. <laughs> I was like, well, that was really good. It was good. So that's my inside one. That's uh, on Netflix. And what's your outside one? Won't oh, You Be I, My yeah, Neighbor. No. It's Won't You Be My yes. Neighbor. Um, it's, the new do- it's the not new documentary about Mr. Rogers. Everybody knew that it was going to make me cry. I didn't cry that much. I only cried at the end. But it's very good. Although, 
Yes, go see it if you have Movie Pass or AMC's A Plus or whatever the hell. I don't think it's a movie you need to see in theaters. But if you want to support documentaries, then go see it in the theater. Otherwise, you should, you should support documentaries. I have, because um, I used to be a film student. Yes. And a student filmmaker. And so you, you learn about the whole history of film. You, documentaries have done so much in terms of even teaching us film technique and things. Right. It's sad seeing the kind of status they've been relegated to. And what do you mean by status that they've been relegated to? Documentary films are not... A, 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 We've come to an age now where movies are all about ticket sales, and documentaries tend not to do that well theatrically. I, I, and you don't go and see them much in the theaters anymore. I think that's... Well, A, a lot of theaters don't show them. So um, we're fortunate that we live in a place that has a lot of independent yeah. cinemas, so there are a lot of chances to chances see documentaries. Chances to see it. I mean, we can drive into but Berkeley now and see it is Because it doesn't... When a movie ticket costs 12 dollars if the movie that I'm watching doesn't need to be seen on a big screen to get the full effect... And I'm guilty of that, too. Yeah, I don't necessarily want if to I wanna... pay to see it. I can wait to... Especially because it's not a year anymore that you're waiting for something to be able to be seen in your house. It's two to three months. It used to be a real... When I was a kid, It would we didn't have a lot of cable television, not the way that we had HBO Showtime. That was a later development. But in the very early days of cable... You were still waiting a more than a year. And when you did see it, it was edited out yeah. all the films you were watching. Yeah, and now it's, you yeah. know, sometimes it's not even two months. Sometimes the best documentaries are being made for streaming services or being made for cable. Yeah, a lot of them are. I mean, Ava so, DuVernay's, what, 13, 13 was a Netflix thing, which is why I don't think it should won the Academy Award. We don't yeah. need to talk about that now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I really feel that it's a pity that they're not able... And again, I understand because I'm guilty of it too. I look at a movie and go, do I need to see this on a big screen? Yeah, and I would say that, especially something like um, a a movie about Mr. Rogers, I I almost would prefer to see it in my house because that's where I saw Mr. Rogers. It's fine. The quality of looking at old videotape on a big screen is going to look awful. Although this... They must have tried very hard or found. Or it was done on film originally. It could have been. Because the the black and white stuff that they have, they either had an excellent person cleaning it up and doing the editing, or it was film because it was pristine. When we go to the theater and you see them playing, we're going to play this particular film, classic films, Sing in the Rain or whatever. Yeah. There are times where I'm looking at it going, wow, the image the quality of image that we come to expect changes so much. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. So that when you're looking at Casablanca, it's almost better to watch it on a big television screen, a flat screen now, because that's a better quality image than you sometimes will get, because you'll be sitting there looking at, you know, the speckles of film, the the boiling sand effect, all the stuff they taught us about when uh, we're sitting watching movies in a screening room, you know, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen Mr. Rogers. I, I have a recommendation, but it's a movie that I've seen before, and it's... New to Netflix. Okay. Which would be Ex Machina. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It is new to Netflix. Which was a 2015 film. I want to watch it again. It took its time getting here. It's uh, directed by Alex Garland. And we talked earlier about, you know, toxic masculinity. 
Yeah. I think this film should be shown at a film festival along with Colossal, which is my favorite film about toxic masculinity because it has kaiju. This yes. is probably... It is a good one. Yeah. This is a film on the same subject about a young man who is asked to come to a remote location to give a Do Turing, a Turing test, test yeah. for a, um, an android. In, an android? Well, she's anthropomorphic rather than okay. just a robot. I yep. mean, what, robot, R2-D2, android, something that's shaped and meant to look like a human being. Data. It's played by uh, Alicia Vikander. And the cast on this is so good. Yeah, Dominal Gleason, Alicia Vikander, Oscar Isaac, and I am really upset that this is not listing the Asian character who's in the film, uh, Sonoya Misuno. And so it's, uh, it's, I don't want to tell you too much about the film because there's a lot of twists, even though it has four characters in the film. But uh, it's all about, and I guess we know we hear stories about the tech industry and how hopelessly and relentlessly male it is, male-dominated and masculinist. And, uh, and this is taking it a step further. And it's also about whether or not this being that a um, Nathan Bateman, who's Oscar Isaac's character, has created, is a living entity to herself, or has she found a way of playing into the, uh, the sympathies of the character who's doing the test? Uh, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, it's actually... Well, a, if she has, is that proof well, that she's a real person? But has person, she been programmed to do it or not? programmed to do it? What's her individual thinking? What is her thought process? These are the same things that got explored a lot later uh, in the, the uh, television series Westworld. Explores a lot of these themes. Yes, absolutely. But this explores it with a great deal of precision because it's isolated on these right, four characters. Right, it's that three-hander. yeah. So I, I would recommend that. It's surprising. It has twists that you're not you don't see coming. And it's beautiful. It's also very beautifully photographed, despite the fact that it's a, you know, it's a, a four people in a lift, you know? Um and there was a an old joke for television. Yeah, but all those people are beautiful. There's and an old then... joke for television that what's the cheapest episode of television to write when you're running out of money uh that was allotted for the season, you just write four people trapped in an elevator. And uh Every once in a while, you'll find an episode of Devil. Like, right, <laughs> but you'll find an episode of oh, wow. Twilight Zone, you know, where it was near the end of the season. So suddenly, it's you know Mickey Rooney trapped in a room talking to his uh, a reflection in a mirror, and it was the They're power. Like, of, oh, they ran out of money. <laughs> right, but it was the compelling writing that doesn't make you think. Oh, well, this is Mickey Rooney trapped in a room, you right. know, in a single room talking into his mirror. So <laughs> this is what you wanted, right? Um, yeah, okay, good. That sounds good. I think that brings us to the end. Uh, so, if you want to reach out to us, oh, we should tell you what we're doing next week. Next week, we're watching Angela Bassett and Tay Diggs in How Stella Got a Groove Back. We're just going to watch beautiful mahogany people. Oh, and I'm going to be beautiful. so jealous of my lack of melanin. Can I have just a little bit of your melanin? No, <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work. It's not for me. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My protection against the sun. It just happens to be beautiful. And frankly, it's only one of my... Oh, here's a little PSA that I just uh-uh. heard again. Uh, African Americans are not less likely to get 
skin cancer, or are less likely to get skin cancer, but are more likely to die from skin cancer. So y'all need sunscreen too. Please do your skin a favor and put some sunscreen on it because doctors also don't think you can get skin cancer and they won't diagnose you until it's too late. African-Americans are just as likely to get skin cancer and die from it. Well, black people. African-Americans, black people. And look better while they're doing it. Well, yes, of course they're going to look better. Does not crack. I just saw somebody say, I've got a big birthday coming up, and I'm like, if you're about to tell me you're turning 50, I'm going to throw things. (laughs) I think he's just turning 40, but it's hard to tell. All right, so how Stella got her groove back from 1998. That's next week. We'll get back to our summer fun after this. Harrowing. Yes, this rape break. Well, well, the the, the last two weeks have not been great for us. I mean, this was great dramatically and thematically. It was very good, but it wasn't uplifting. Uh, Hopefully we'll be uplifting. I'm I'm still recovering from fake white Jesus. (laughs) So I... Hopefully, Stella will mess. help me get my group back. All right. Uh, if you would like to talk to us or tell us something. Talk to us. Or like ask us something you. or tell us to do a thing Movie or ask us to do a thing. How many movies have you seen? Who that would be something that? you could ask. I know that. Oh, you know how many movies you've seen? Well, yes. It's bordering two or 3,000 now. But Okay. There's a... Huge ass difference between two and three thousand, you big faker. Uh, we're at Latecomers Pod. Go ahead. You can find us at latecomerspod at gmail.com or at latecomerspod on Twitter. Pod. Uh, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Pod. Why are you saying that? Right, okay, You're just giving me things to cut? What is no, happening I'm right now? Tired. Facebook group. Facebook page. Lemuel's book, Sealing Night, is available on Amazon.com. I think that's everything. That was actually, I got another review that I was very happy about. Oh. So I, 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 didn't, I got a royalty check. A little tiny royalty check. Because I didn't, I didn't want to charge too much for a first-time author that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, and for a small book, but I got a, ro- a tiny royalty check. I'm like, oh, this is nice. I'm, I'm, You're a professional. I'm a professional author because professionals get paid. You did it. Oh, also, uh, we're going to be at PodCon two. PodCon two. PodCon two. The Wrath of Pod. The Wrath of Pod. Yeah. Uh, pod. <laughs> 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 oh. What the fuck is happening right now? Okay. That's going to be in Seattle in January. We'll, we'll be there. You should come too. <laughs> now, now they're going to be frightened of talking to me. It's like, not that pod guy. That was bananas. All right. We love you very much. We're very sorry for this mess. And we'll see you next week. And remember, better, better late, late than, than never. never.